resurrection assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. 27th of June, 2021. Scriptures are Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. Builds this house. Hosea 1, 1 through 11. Well, praise the Lord. Church, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets, which is why we are considering the prophets in our fantastic prophetic summer. Praise the Lord. Like I said, next week, my dear friend, Dr. Taito Chino, will be here bringing the word with us. Uh, Dr. Chino teaches at Augustana College in the Quad Cities. We were in the uh, doctoral program together at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. And uh, he's been a pastor for a number of years, both out in Seattle and in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, Just an all-around fantastic guy. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you are too. I invite you to come. If you have vacation plans, just cancel them. You know? And, uh, And invite someone to come with you. Uh, I invite you to invite someone to come. Tito is, uh, like I said, a real nice guy. Um, let's, let's believe that the Lord is going to speak through him. Today, you got me instead. I'm here. I'm back. Today, I want to speak, uh, hopefully not just me, though, the spirits and the prophets of the Old Testament. I want to speak from the, the prophet Haggai. And I was reminded when Pastor Boyer was here bringing the word that um, in, uh, in the Pentecostal church, not just in the Pentecostal church, but it's a common thing that, you know, you're only supposed to have your sermon title so that people know what you're going to talk about and they can hold you accountable. Stick to the topic, which most Pentecostal preachers never do. Um, but, uh, and you're always supposed to say, I didn't have a title for my sermon But if I did, it would be, build this house. Build this house. And by this house, I mean the church. This church. I need to explain that a little bit. So that's what I'm going to do. But in order to get to the scripture in Haggai, Haggai is one of the minor prophets. It's only two chapters long. You can read the whole thing in one sitting. It's pretty pretty good stuff. So read it when you go home this week, read it every day of the week for seven days in a row, and then come back and tell me what the spirit says. Or you can tell Pastor Abby or one of the deacons or anybody in the church. But in order to get to the prophet Haggai, I want to just talk about the big story of the the, the big picture, because we can get down and, and look at a single tree, but you can miss the forest, right? So I want to see the forest before we focus in on a single tree, which is the prophet Haggai. Um, So please think big story with me here. First, this Bible right here is one giant story. And I stress the word giant because it is, in fact, a very thick book. My Bible isn't super thick, but the pages are super thin. How many pages do I have in here? With the index, I have over a thousand pages. This Bible isn't super thick, but the pages are super thin. And the words are very small. 
My point is, is that there's a lot to read here. And sometimes when you're reading a particular episode in the Bible, it's hard to remember the big story. So let me just remind you real quick of what the big story is in the Bible, because it's all relevant coming to the prophet Haggai and about building this house. So I'll start at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We say that in the creed too. That's where the Bible begins. The story quickly progresses that human beings sin and get kicked out of the Garden of Eden that God had made for us. God wanted us to live in this beautiful garden where food was free, just left and right. We could eat all we wanted all day long. But God kicked us out because we sinned. Not long after that, we're moving quickly here, God calls a man named Abraham. And he says to Abraham, follow me. And he leads Abraham to the land that he was going to give him. This land that God promised him was supposed to be kind of like a new Garden of Eden. A place where Abraham and his wife would actually fulfill God's command to be fruitful and multiply. God would dwell with them and he would be their God. And through them, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Jump ahead again. Abraham's descendants all end up in Egypt because there's a famine. And there they are made slaves. So God sends Moses to liberate his people from slavery and bring them back to the place that God had promised Abraham. After many twists and turns, the people finally liberated from Egypt get to the promised land and they settle there. Jumping ahead again, eventually God gives them King David and his son Solomon builds a temple for the people to worship at. And this temple was adorned with all sorts of imagery from the natural world. So there's like pools of water, like miniature lakes and ponds. There were pomegranates and trees and beautiful leaves built into the temple. And they did this because the temple was supposed to remind worshipers of the Garden of Eden. When they came to worship God, it was supposed to be like coming back to the cool of the day where Adam and Eve just walked and talked with God. Well, despite the temple and David and Solomon, the people of God forsake the Lord their God and they start worshiping idols. They don't go to the temple anymore to remind themselves of the Garden of Eden. They start worshiping idols like power and money and war. And I kid you not, they sacrifice their children to these gods. So what does God do? He sends his people away. He kicks them out of the land, just like he did back in the day with Adam and Eve, when he kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. The people of God are taken into exile by their enemy. And they end up as slaves all over again in a foreign land, just like they had been in Egypt. Their enemy, Babylon, destroys the temple that Solomon built. Babylon destroys the little Garden of Eden that God wanted to bring his people back to. That brings me to the prophet Haggai, which I'm about to read. You need to catch your breath. This prophet Haggai is writing when God is finally bringing his people back once again from exile. He's taking them back to the place he kicked them out of. Remember, he brought them out of Egypt and brought them into the land, so he's doing Egypt all over again. He's bringing them from a foreign land to the land he promised Abraham. 
he is once again saying to them, like he said to Abraham, follow me. And they follow God back to land. He promised them. When they get back, when they come back, God wants them to once again build the temple. They need a temple that will be like the Garden of Eden again, where they can worship and walk with their God. And that's where this picks up. I'm going to read Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. It is time for you yourselves, is it time, excuse me, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land, on the hills, on the grain, on the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. The word of the Lord. You know, Jesus said, we read it earlier this morning, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus was saying, seek God first and he'll provide you with food, clothing, water, and whatever else you need. And that is pretty much what the prophet Haggai is saying here. He's saying to the people of God, look, God brought you back from exile. Emphasis on God, by the way. God did it. You didn't do it. God did it. God brought you back to this land that he promised Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And you're all out here seeking first your own house. You're seeking first your own well-being. You're seeking first yourself, not God and his kingdom. And that's a problem. Why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because you've got to remember what happened to the people of God before they went into exile. You've got to remember the reason they went into exile. They went into exile because they forgot the Lord their God. They went into exile because they didn't want to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They went into exile because they loved money, power, and war. So God said, okay, if you love money, if you love power, if you love war, you can go off to Babylon if that's what you really want. I'll let you live with the nations who also love money and power and war. Well, if all this happened when the people of God had a temple, what's going to happen now that they're back and they're not bothering to build the temple again? The prospects are not great, right? 
If they forgot God with a temple, are they going to remember God without one? So God asks, why are you not building my house? You're building your own houses, and honestly, you're doing a pretty decent job at it. Those panels look real nice. They look beautiful. So again, why aren't you building my house? And he says that the consequences of not doing this are already evident. It's not raining. There's a drought. You're not getting your grain. You're not getting your wine. You're not getting your oil. Why? Because I want my house built. Remember, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You can't have all these things like grain and wine and oil. You can't have all those things added unto you if you're not seeking first the kingdom. So again, seek first the kingdom of God. He says, go out and get some wood. Go to the hills, get some lumber. Do the manual labor. Cut the trees. Make some nice wood panels for my house. The promise that God makes to them is that if the people of God build his house, then he'll take care of them. If God, if we... God promises that if we, the people of God, build his house, that he'll take care of us. Not just our houses, but even our groceries and some delicacies with it. If we seek first the kingdom of God, God will turn water into wine for us and it will be to us water of life that will never run out. Mm. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? Are you feeling what I'm saying here? Build God's house, and he will build ours. If the people of God do that, that is the first step in loving the Lord, our God. That is the first step in not loving money, power, and war. That is the first step in not ending up in exile again. So, that brings me to us. I want to say two things. Both of them are important. First, we need to build this house. But we need to be very clear that the temple of the Old Testament that God was telling people through the prophet Haggai to build, that temple even was just a shadow of things to come. Let me explain. After Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father, the and poured out the spirit on us, the church. That's Pentecost. That's what we're in. The Bible says that the church is not a building anymore. You've heard me say this before. If you've been coming here for any time at all, you've heard Pastor Abby say it over and over again. It's all over the Bible. The true temple is not made with human hands. The true temple is humans. It's us. We are the church, folks. The building is not the church. We are the church. So we could go across the street to Highland Park. We could be gathered there, and we would still be resurrection of some of God. We would still be the church. Because we are the church, the building is not the church. We could go anywhere. We could settle on the far side of the sea, as one psalm puts it. And even, this, even there, the Spirit would guide us. His right hand would hold us fast, which means we would still be the church wherever we gathered in the world. So when Haggai says to build God's house, 
that's an invitation for us to build one another up, to build up the church as the people of God. It's an invitation to bind ourselves into ever greater unity. It is an invitation to worship God together so that as we worship, we are a house built up and built up in such a way that no destruction, no wrecking ball, no bulldozer, no bomb could ever destroy the house. It's really hard for the enemy of the church to destroy the temple and the temple just pops up wherever two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, right? Let's be the Garden of Eden to each other. Amen? So that's the first thing. So we are the temple. This building is not the temple. That's the first thing I want to say. Second thing I want to say is this. Nevertheless, we the people of God are the temple of God. Nevertheless, God wants us to take care of the building, the physical structures he has given us to take care of. And I felt God leading me to preach this passage earlier this week. And uh, I didn't even know the workday was happening. I mean, I knew it was happening, but, uh, you know, if something doesn't end up in my calendar on my phone, then I forget about it. Uh, and, I, and I came to this passage before I knew about the workday. In fact, I, I selected the passage and said, this is what I believe God wants me to talk about. And I was going to sit down and write it. And then Cindy texted me something about the workday. And I thought, oh, well, how about that? So my point is, is that God is already doing stuff before I know about it. But I felt God leading me to this passage. And even before I knew about the workday, when I thought about it, it just hit me that really, in a sense, I don't need to tell most of you this. I don't need to tell you to take care of this building. Because I know you all already care. And I am uh, just overwhelmed with uh, joy that as the people of God, we don't need to be smacked around by the prophet and told what, what, where to set our priorities. I don't need to tell us this. I mean, you all have, by the grace of God, been helping us as we make progress in making this church building beautiful again. We still have a little progress to make, but some of you, you know, you've helped with paint. With carpet. Some of you have fixed those electrical problems. Some of you have brought your own power tools so we can hang things in the concrete walls in the preschool room. Some of you have cleaned. Some of you have decorated. Some of you have fed and watered others who are doing the work. If there's donuts next time, I'm there, man. I only do glazed, though. And Daylight Donuts, please don't do that to us. We've got to stick with Hy-Vee. I don't know what it is, but Hy-Vee is clearly superior. And that is not a paid advertisement. Some of you have mowed the lawn and shoveled snow. The list could go on, and there's things that you're doing that I don't even know about. I think of all the hours that Miss Terry has spent in the kitchen downstairs, the food pantry, all of you. I rejoice. I boast of your work in the Lord here. People, you know, everywhere I go, people are like, you know, the pandemic, COVID-19, how's your church? And I'm like, you know, 
we really stuck together. Yeah. Amen. And that's a testimony to uh, the spirit in our midst and, for, and to our love for one another. Have you noticed that? That we like stuck together through COVID-19? Yeah. We didn't meet for a while there last year. Toshiba's back. She's going to become a member. Jennifer was out there on the front lines, like at Costco, making sure we still all had pallets of food and the toilet paper. You were policing the toilet paper, weren't you? Did you really have to? Yeah. Yeah. About six months into the pandemic, Cindy asked me to get her a big thing of like paper towels or something like that. And I also needed paper towels. So I had two things of paper towels in my cart and everyone was like eyeballing me. And then when I got to the front, I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. I gotta pull them back. I need to get back to the sermon now. Remember, we got, a, we got that sermon title so we, you can keep me on track. Uh, I boast of your work in the Lord here, genuinely. I mean that. It's, it's a marvel to see the Spirit of God in our midst. And that, uh, even as a pastor, it's like I can just disappear for a while and you guys still love each other. Um, praise the Lord. I boast of your work in the Lord here because I know, I know that you know that God wants us to take care of this house that he has given us at 1330 Keokuk Street. What I want to say to us this morning is simply this. Let's keep focused. We want to see God do more in and through us, his people. And we want to see God do more in and through this building that he has given us. So let's build this house. Build up one another as the people of God, the church, and build up this building to the glory of God's most holy name. In doing so, if we do that, we will be seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And in response, God is going to send rain from heaven. He promises to give us a harvest. He promises to give us fine wine and every delicious thing. Every delicious thing. Here's the deal, church. I believe, I really, really believe that God wants to bring more people to this church. This is our fantastic prophetic summer. So maybe the spirit is speaking through me right now. I don't know. He will do it in his time and in his way. I have had like 5,000 dreams in the night, not just like my own brain working, but like I've woken up in the night and I've, I've been in this sanctuary and it's just this like random Sunday. I can talk about this, right? There's just like this random Sunday where all of a sudden, every seat is filled in the sanctuary, and we don't have room for people. And uh, we're, not, we're not here just to fill every seat. We want to disciple people for the kingdom of God. That's our first task. But God wants to bring people so that they can get discipled. And if God's going to do that, then that means a couple of things for us. I mean, first, that means you've got to be prepared to make a couple of new friends. Right? Are you okay making some new friends? Yes. Kyle... Stop it. <laughs> Kyle's up here like shaking his head. You're going to make new friends, Kyle. You got to be willing to make some new friends. So please be ready for that. 
be ready to show the same hospitality to others that Pastor Abby and I and others have shown you when God brought you here. The other thing, we've got to be prepared. If God's going to bring people, the other thing we've got to be prepared for is that we just have got to make sure that our facilities are not preventing God from sending people to us. So we've got to have clean facilities, organized facilities, painted facilities, carpeted facilities, dehumidified. You know, I don't know why I didn't think of it. Abby just pointed out to me the other day that we needed a dehumidifier in the basement. And I was like, why didn't I think of that? So we got one. And now the humidity is much better. The humidity level is much better down there. Uh, we need to decorate it. It needs to be welcoming in every respect. When people walk through the front doors of this church, we want people to feel like they're walking into a place that reminds them of the Garden of Eden. They, they've never been to the Garden of Eden, but you know, they can still remember it a little bit. We can all remember that, that beautiful place that, we, that we're going to get back to in the kingdom of God. A place where God dwells with his people and we dwell with our God. God will help us. So I've ranted enough. One last time, let's build this house. Eating this meal, communion, the Lord's Supper. It's a Garden of Eden moment. From the beginning, God gave us food in the garden to eat. This is just, it's not just food. God also meets us here in the meal to walk with us, to talk with us like he walked and talked with Adam and Eve at the very beginning. So let's walk and eat with God. Amen.